as you know. When we get together and have that one-pointed focus on spirit, it is that one-pointed focus that we all share that truly builds a power, and that power is loving. So if we can all together have that one-pointed focus on loving, that power that it builds is amazing what it can do to transform the human consciousness. And that's what we're doing here. It is, is a journey of transformation. We are transforming ourselves from within. We're not here to try to change the world. We're just here to awaken within. But that awakening process is one of transformation by which we're really beginning to move through a lot of those things, what we could call worldly, if you want to use the word karma, if you want to use the word attachments or issues. We're working through those things to get to that place of freedom where we can really truly live in a place of greater loving and acceptance and forgiveness. And of course, with that comes greater peace and joy. And so that's always the intention and focus, but as many of you here know have been walking this, it can be intense and stressful at times as we are confronted with those things inside of us, our judgments, our belief systems, our fears, no matter what they are. As those things confront us, well, those are the things we all have to walk through to really awaken and find our freedom. And the only difference of what we're doing here in ILM compared to a lot of places in the world is that we're willing to confront those things and to learn from them, to love those things, to accept them, and to move through them. We're not here to avoid, to get rid of, to judge, to fear. We're here to look, to learn, to love. And that's what it takes to really transform from within. And when we transform from within, automatically we are going to approach the world around us differently. And that difference is always going to be more loving and accepting and forgiving. You want to promote peace in the world? Then you've got to promote it from within. That is the only true way to transform not only the world, but that only comes as an outer reflection of our own inner transformation because of what we individually are willing to do as far as that divine purpose or focus that we are striving for, that we are taking those inner action steps towards. It's often referred to as climbing the inner mountain. Just as we have over here like Mount Everest, people climbing the ascent, the ascending the mountain there and it's such a great achievement. That's easy compared to ascending the inner mountain. Many of you know. But that's why a lot of people go to those heights as well as trying to go to the greater depths of like the oceans. Because that outer process that we seek in the world truly is but a reflection of what we're seeking within ourselves. And we've got to be willing to go to the greatest heights, the top of the mountains inside of ourselves, and then also the deepest depths. And those deepest depths are scary. Bottom of the ocean. It's dark down there. You've got to bring a light down there. You need a submarine to get down there or a very, very heavy-duty wetsuit, to say the least. And that's the action that we're doing here with the sacred name of God, the meditation practice that we teach here. It is that way or vehicle by which we can ascend those greatest heights and also move into those greatest depths. 
because it is often in those greatest depths that we have our greatest fears because of the darkness down there. We're afraid what we're going to confront or come up against. But again, all we have to do is be willing to approach these things within ourselves with a place of loving and accepting and forgiving. That's why we have that LAF acronym, L-A-F. It is when we can approach all of these things within ourselves, let alone outside, because really, doesn't out here just stimulate different thoughts and feelings within ourselves? And all we're learning to do in here is how we approach and handle what is stimulated within us. Because it is within that holds us back or by which we strive and achieve beyond that. It's very interesting right now because the Olympics have just started. I don't know if some of you are watching the Olympics, but I watched those opening ceremonies and all. And this is very interesting. Years ago, just the first couple years I started meditation, I had this inner experience where Spirit showed me the Olympic symbol. You guys know the three circles and then the two circles underneath, that Olympic symbol? Well, Olympics is about competition, right? Even though it brings people together, it brings people together in a place of competition, competing against. I hate to say this because I love the Olympics, and at the same time, that level of competition is what can also create division and separation. But here's the beauty, and I've noticed this even in watching certain things like a lot of the commercials now around the different athletes in the Olympics, it's really cool to hear their story because if you listen close and watch, most of them are talking about what they're competing against and overcoming within themselves. That's pretty cool. That's really the greatest barrier. Not their competitors in the world, but really competing against what is it within that is holding one back from really achieving the greatest they can. And that's the focus we want to give. But in this inner experience, they were shown about competition. And then spirit turned the symbol over. Instead of three, three circles and then two circles below it, if you added one more circle, it would be like a downward triangle. Well, that's pointing into the world, which is about competition. But if you flip that over, well, then it's a triangle turning upwards towards spirit. And then I was told, cooperation. The action of the world is competition, a downward focus, that triangle. It creates division and separation. The action of spirit is upwards. And that triangle, as we move upwards, is one of cooperation. It brings us together rather than apart. And that's the simplistic difference of the actions in this world of reflection and illusion. It is one of competition and separation. And the action of spirit is one of cooperation and union. We have to begin to move into cooperation with the divine within us in order to move into union or communion with God. Or as you've heard me say over the years, I use the word communion in action or communication. Because we have to learn how to communicate with our thoughts, our feelings, our beliefs, our fantasies, our physical experience, and with the divine within us. We have to learn how to communicate with all these aspects of ourself 
to be able to bring them into union, to work through those areas of competition within ourselves. They call it the battle of the spirit and the flesh. It's the battle of the mind and the emotions and the body, not the spirit. The spirit loves and accepts all things. It, the battle is because the mind, the emotions, imagination, and body are competing for the soul's attention. They're competing to get all of our attention to do what they want done. You ever notice that? Don't you struggle and fight within yourself with what you think and what you want? How you feel and what you want, don't want to feel for that matter? So it's always competing. And that competition causes that pain that comes with separation and the suffering that comes with that. And what happens? Well, of course, out in the world, that's where we see the arguments, then the fights, and then the wars. It escalates. But when we begin to turn our attention now to communing, to cooperation, to communicating in a way that brings union and brings an understanding and the peace to our thoughts, our feelings, our fantasies, and our physical experience, it creates an integration. That's the cooperation I'm speaking of. And that's a communion that draws all these aspects of ourselves back together within. And as it happens, then the expression of the divine spark of the divine that we are, the soul that is the living, loving essence of God, now can have full dominion and be that shining star, that guiding star right here, that through that action now, with these different aspects of our physical self coming into cooperation and alignment, there's a straight and narrow pathway. Where do we hear that, right? A straight and narrow pathway then that begins to align within the physical consciousness, not just the body, all the levels of consciousness, by which now the soul, which is that expression of loving, can truly begin to now move through and fill all these different levels of self. And that is what now brings into a oneness. And that is the first stage of spiritual awakening. In this world, it's referred to as self-realization. As the different aspects of self, the body, the imagination, the emotions, and mind come into alignment, and that channel opens up, there comes an awareness of self. Well, what a lot of people don't understand in that process of self-realization that is really an aspect of the higher mind not an aspect of the soul. And that's the part that gets confusing. A lot of people misunderstand the difference between self-realization and soul-realization. Often people when they pursue a lot of personal growth and development, do some amazing, wonderful work, and there's some, a lot of wonderful programs out in the world to this day that help create that alignment and cooperation with all the physical levels of self. But that one element of the soul can only be achieved through an action of the divine, not an action of the mind or the emotions, or the imagination, or the body. Those levels have to begin to cooperate to allow 
the soul's essence to come present, but it is not a guarantee that the divine aspect will automatically be awakened and, in a sense, the leading, the guiding light within that aspect of self-realization. Because when it comes to that point, the ego aspect, which is made up of the mind and the emotions, has to begin to surrender and let go of trying to control and be in dominion. Because that's what those aspects and all of us will do. That's just part of the humanity. There's that ego aspect that always wants to control. Because without that control, if it loses control, that fear of death, is the guiding force in this physical creation. Because the ego had a birth, and so the ego will have a death. And it will do everything it can to hang on for dear life and try to do whatever it can to control ourselves and control the environment around us and all the people around us. You know, we call them control freaks. Well, on some level, we're all control freaks to some degree, just some of us got better at it than others. And that's the hardest part, is getting to the point where we can truly let go. To let go, for the ego to let go of its control is probably one of the greatest challenges we'll have. But yet, it is not until we come to that point that we're going to really truly find spiritual freedom and liberation. And it is that spiritual freedom and liberation where we will begin to awaken and come into union and truly know the divine self, the soul self, that which is the true you. People ask, well, who are you? Who am I? Not only where did I come from, where am I going? But who am I? Well, that's the real self. Not the self everybody interprets in this world. And that soul self is the greatest achievement that is actually beyond the top of the mountain. The top of the mountain here is the top of the mind. We have to ascend the mountain to get there. But then we've got to look beyond the top of the mountain to that sun, that sun in the sky. That's the soul self. To get to that, oh, we can all climb the mountain. You can get in a helicopter and be dropped off on the top of the mountain. But to get to the sun? Well, that inner sun that I'm talking about, the true soul self, how do you get from the top of the mountain here to that sun in the inner spiritual sky? That is the difference between self-realization and soul-realization. And to get to that sun, the amount of sacrifice, let alone surrender and letting go, is the ultimate challenge that any soul faces, not just in humanity, but in all of this creation we call time and space. That's the ultimate fulfillment and journey 
And it does mean we have to let go and sacrifice the world and all of our wants and beliefs. That's why a lot of religion talks about trust and faith. But we want to go beyond just trust and faith. We really want to know how and to take those action steps to truly reach into that sun, to really go there. So that means we've got to fly. You can't walk that journey. You've got to fly. So how do you fly? Well, that's the journey of soul liberation that we share here in Interlight Ministries. That journey is one of a very profound, sacred inner pathway that we call the path of sound and light, the path of liberation, the path of the Holy Spirit, the audible life stream, the sound current. And it is through that action of the sacred name of God, that sacred name is that very light and sound stream that emanates out of the beingness of God itself throughout all of creation that is always present, emanating life itself, giving life to the soul and to all of creation. None of it would exist without that creative principle that is the light and sound or that spirit of God. And it is knowing and understanding how to work with that that gets us from the top of the mountain and into that sun. Well, just like any vehicle, we've got to get on it or get in it in order to be transported to whatever destination we're seeking. Like I said, some destinations we can walk to, crawl to, get to one way or another, like the top of the mountain or the bottom of the sea. But to get to the sun, well, can we just flap our arms and fly? Well, we're not a bird. But even if we were, we've got the Earth's atmosphere to fly through. And once you go beyond that, there's not exactly a oxygen or warmth. So we need some kind of vehicle. And that's what this action that we call initiation is about here in Inner Light Ministries. That action of initiation is where we are given that vehicle. It seems so simple when we say initiation and giving that vehicle. You know, a lot of you here have been initiated. But what is that? Well, what did we do in your initiation? We shared the sacred name of God with you. Those sacred names that have been taught throughout history, well, you know, that's it? These words? Well, you just told me these foreign words. How's that a vehicle? Well, the words are not the vehicle. And therein lies the challenge. Because for the mind to let go and to begin to extend oneself beyond the comprehension of the mind, beyond the understanding of the mind, 
into this thing we call the sacred name, other sound current, that voice of God itself, that is that living life stream we refer to as the river of loving. That sacred name is the very connection, the way by which we step into that vehicle that transports us from the top of the mountain to the sun. And if you're to see this river, this vehicle, this transport mechanism spiritually, it is so simple. Because all it is is literally a stream of light and sound moving throughout space and time that literally as we get in it, it carries us. Just like as if you were to get in a river. You literally put your body in a river that is moving and then the river carries you to where it's going. That's exactly what the action of this path to sun and light is. It is a river of loving that is the divine essence of God that carries the soul throughout all of its journey. And so with initiation and this sacred name, this action we speak of, is simply sharing with you the way by which you as the soul can now recognize and see the river and get in the river so now that it can carry you to where it's going as well as where it's come from because it's one and the same. So to get in that river, even though in the beginning you hear all the words we share, you can read about it through history, through different spiritual teachers and sages and saints that have taught this pathway. Yet the mind is in disbelief, does not trust, it doubts, it fears. So to be able to take those action steps, to have that trust and faith, to be able to overcome our doubts and fears, and I'm not talking healthy skepticism. Healthy skepticism is different. That's called discernment. It's called evaluation. It's called being smart. I'm talking about the bullshit, the fears that would stop us for no reason. It'll give you all the excuses. It'll make it sound logical, but you know it's a bunch of bunk. That's the voice of fear that the ego will run to stop us from trusting. This is not a pathway of belief. You hear us over and over and say, don't believe anything we're saying. Check it out. Find out for yourself and have your own personal experience because we know it is the only way you're going to discover. Because if you do it by blind trust, you're going to mislead yourself. We have people all the time, we share the same words, but each one of you, if you went to and had you explain, well, what did you just hear? You're going to hear a lot of different stories. We hear it all the time. Because we each have our filters, our background, our training, our beliefs, that we are going to hear what is shared in, the own way, in our own way. Whether it's accurate or we put our own spin on that, that's what we all do. The good news in this action, it doesn't matter 
what you believe or how you feel about it. All that matters is what you actually do. If you are willing to do the meditation, that is all that's required. That's it. You don't have to believe a word. If you're willing to just do the meditation, you're going to begin to have experience. And you'll discover for yourself, and you'll realize it doesn't matter what we say one way or another about any of this. All that really matters is your own experience. So if I'm not clear, well, whose problem is that? That's why we have Q&A, because we want you to have the clarity for yourself. All it takes is some understanding of what we're talking about and then doing it. The doing is important, but we're not going to even start doing anything until we have some idea of what that is. That's why we share the information so you have an idea that you get some kind of understanding of what to do so that you can now go have your experience. And so, then it's up to us. It's our responsibility. But Brian, didn't you just say, if I get in the Holy Spirit, it just carries me, so then I don't have to do anything, do I? <laughs> I wish it was that easy because I'm just so tired of all the work that I have to do all the time. Isn't that what we all go through? The work that is required that you have to do is go through all the shit that's in the bottom of the ocean and all the stuff you've got to go through to get to the top of the mountain. That's the work. That's where we talk about confronting your fears, learning your lessons, working with the LAF, trudging through the muck and the mire, all the pain and the suffering. That's the work. Didn't you just hear me say that it's from this point, from the top of the mountain, that you get in the river, and then the river carries you to the sun? That's right. That's what I said. So let me just say it again in case you didn't hear that. The river starts here once you, in a sense, leap off the top of the mountain. That's the great leap of faith that they talk about. You've got to get to the top of the mountain and that's 90% of the work as they say that's the hard part is going through all your personal stuff and ascending to the top of the mountain and right here as Rumi put it the door is open and the door is round and therein not only do we enter but therein we also enter or exit we exit the physical and enter the spirit and it is at that door, the spiritual eye, the seat of the soul, that that river is ever present for every single divine spark. That means everybody. Nobody's excluded. I don't care what anybody believes or tells you. And I'm only sharing my experience, so it's not meaning to make anybody wrong, even though you're all wrong, whoever says otherwise. <laughs> that Holy Spirit is there for everybody, but not everybody chooses it. We each have to choose that.
But my God, the work that it takes to even get to the point where we're even aware of that divine presence, that's the action of meditation that we teach here. That meditation is where we're going to move through all these things that block us from our awareness of the divine presence that inner light and sound have been speaking of. So we've got to ascend up to here to where the door is to even look out to see the spiritual sky, to see that sun in the sky, to see that stream, that river of loving right from here that will connect into that sun. So I was saying it's really simple if you were to see this river of loving. Well, some of you know, we teach when you go into meditation to look for a purple light or a golden, white, or blue one. But the purple one is the main color present in this meditation we do. All the others are different frequencies of the divine essence of God's loving. But that purple light is that river of loving of the Holy Spirit that once we get here and we've done all the work of loving, accepting, forgiving, and moving through all of our stuff, when we get here and see that purple light, when we meditate and close our eyes and you see that purple light, you don't know if it's coming or going and it's moving around here, but the more you focus in it, you see at some point there's actually kind of a roundness to it. Well, that's because of the round doorway you're looking through, by the way. And as you keep focusing more and more, eventually you'll see there's an opening. At first it looks two-dimensional. It's right here, right? You've seen it, that purple light and a white glow. You look, the more you pinpoint and look in the very, very center, eventually you'll begin to see there's actually a tunnel. That's the door. That's what we're moving into by focusing into it. So as we focus into it, we're going to begin to move our conscious awareness from the physical into the spiritual. From here Really, it's from here to here. Did you see me move my hand at all? From here to here. Wow, you didn't go anywhere. You didn't move your hand, Brian. Yeah, I did. No, not my hand. The consciousness really doesn't have to go anywhere. It really is a process of just waking up. But in the process of waking up, it'll at times experience going from here to there and just flying throughout outer space, way beyond here because it is a movement, it's called soul travel, where the soul is traveling from the physical consciousness through these other regions or realms, like we have a chart over here. When you talk about the astral realm, the causal realm, the mental realm, the etheric realm, and into soul and spirit, it's like flying throughout our space. But as you fly throughout our space, we first have to go through the atmosphere of the earth. Well, that's like a level we've got to fly through from the physical now beyond it, but then we're still in the solar system, right? There's gravitational fields around the earth, and then you get beyond the earth, there's not the gravity of the earth, but now there's gravitational fields of the solar system. That's like going through another realm. Okay, made it beyond the physical, now I'm in the astral realm, I'm in the solar system now. And then you keep flying and you eventually break free of the solar system. Well, now you've broken free of the astral realm. You're going into the causal realm. Now you've got to go out. What's beyond the solar system? Is it the galaxy? I don't know my astronomy well enough. Is the galaxy the next thing or is there something between galaxy and solar system? 
So we keep on going through the galaxy now. So we're going through the causal realm if I'm remembering where I'm at. Because <laughs> we don't know where we're at a lot of the times, right? It all starts to look the same. Like, I don't know where I'm at, but I'm moving. And eventually you get beyond the galaxy. Now you're in the mental realm. Whoa, look at all those other galaxies out there. Where am I in this field of seemingly nothingness? And you just continue beyond now. You hit the edge of the universe, beyond all the galaxies. And you break through that. Well, nobody knows what's beyond that. So you go through a black hole beyond the universe. Okay, now we're going somewhere. Oh, my God, I've gone out of this universe somewhere else. And now I'm in the etheric realm. Well, what's the etheric realm? That's right. We don't know. It's unconscious. We don't know what's beyond the universe here, right? What's on the other side of a black hole? Well, I just see black. Well, don't we liken the etheric realm to just nothing, the void? It's all dark and empty. Like to see outer spaces, but they're finding outer space is not at all empty. But we don't know what's beyond the universe. Go through the black hole. Nothing's there. It's a great void. Dark energy, dark matter, what is all that? That is the substance. When God said, well, not only let there be light, but when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was void and without form. The earth is referenced to this universe, the void that is what we call the etheric realm, that is the nothingness. But then when God said, let there be light, big bang. Well, that's just the physical level. But that light that burst forth, that came into this creation, into the void, well, that's what we see reflected as the Big Bang, that all this light now, that energy, that essence of spirit as it has moved into creation and physicalized, materialized through all the atomic structure. But that's just a reflection of that greater birth, if you will, that greater beginning, let there be light. And so it is that that we're journeying through, just like I gave you a physical journey. Well, that literally is this, like the chart of the realms that we talk about these realms because this is the journey the soul has gone through to get here and the journey the soul is going through to leave here. And all we need is our vehicle. Well, the body here is a physical vehicle to get around the physical realm. But that's where I said now the next part of the journey. So what about that, the etheric realm? We go beyond the universe. We're in this void, darkness, nothingness, empty. Well, that's where most people give up. Because as far as you look, there's nothing there. And I've seen this many a times, standing on or just right above the mind. You've gone way beyond now to the edges of the universe. You stand beyond the mind, the mental universe, and you look up, where's God? There's just nothing there. It's this empty space. And in that emptiness and darkness, fear creeps in. People get scared of nothing. That's kind of crazy, you think about it. Why are you scared? There's nothing there. Because of what the mind does and all that it creates. But you see, that's the element. The reflection of love is fear. 
fears that element of this physical creation by which it rules and controls to keep the soul held in time and space to keep it alive and going. Because without the light of God, there is no life to give this animation and expression. And I'm not talking just the human form. I'm talking every form we can see and actually a lot that we can't see as we talk about ultraviolet, infrared, all these other invisible light. And it's cool because physics is beginning to now scientifically discover more. And the funny thing is that's still only physically based. There's so much more. But that's another discussion. I don't want to get too scientific because we get off track. So to bring this back to spirit, well, yeah, now here they're trying to make spaceships and move to travel throughout space. But if there were just a light stream, if there were just a way by which we could transcend, wasn't that when they talk about these Rosenberg bridges and wormholes and being able to travel through time and space, time warps, all that cool stuff that once was thought as science fiction, they're beginning to find there might be some truth and reality to it in this physical dimension. That's just a reflection of the truth spiritually. And in all of that, there are movements or streams. Look at it like a ray of light coming out of the sun. There's charged particles. Those particles have energy. That energy gives us, what, warmth? It gives us life. Without that, things die. Isn't that interesting? Without the physical sun giving that heat, that light, that warmth, and that energy that is in all of that, there's no life. Such is the truth of that spiritual sun that is that light of spirit that gives life not only to the soul, but to all of creation, that spiritual light gives life to it all, just like our sun gives to all the planets in the solar system, well, especially Earth, where there's more living forms. It's a great outer reflection. And if you can understand the wondrous beauty, magnificence of just the physical level, it is a great storyline or reflection to reflect to you the truth inside of you. But I mean really inside of you, not how you feel, not what you think, the true inner you, the real soul self, as I was saying, not the self that is the higher mind or ego. Without that stream of light from the sun, there's just nothing there. There's no life. It is that stream of light from the sun that gives us life. It is that very same stream from that inner sun and that inner sky, spiritually, that is the path of sound and light, that is the river of loving, that the soul has to begin to move into and allow that stream, that ray of light to carry it back to the source, back to the sun from which it came. Just as the stream of light, say, from our physical sun comes out of the sun and hits the earth, well, the earth can reflect and bounce the light back. We can hold up a mirror, and then the light hits that mirror and bounces back and go right back to the source. 
That's a lot of what this physical creation is. We call this creation the land of reflection, the realm of reflection. Lucifer, Satan, Kellner engine, no matter what you call him, it's called the Lord of Reflection. This physical time space is about reflecting the light of God. So as that light comes from the sun, it's reflected back. And guess what we are doing? As we have come out of that light stream of God and have traveled through all that, through all these realms and layers and levels of consciousness right here into this physical creation, but as soon as we turn now and that light is reflected back to God, all we got to do is get back in the light stream that is reflecting back to God and let it carry us back to God just as it carried us from God to here. Is it really that simple? Is it really that practical? It is. It is. But again, don't believe me. I'm just making up a story here and you guys are all being my audience while I sit here and tell a great grand story. But I'll share a little secret with you. The great grand story that I'm telling you is one I've had my own experience of. That's why I'm able to describe it and talk about it. Because it's the story of my life and my journey, of that journey of my own soul. It has had its own experience, traveling through these realms, sharing about that light stream or life stream, that light and sound of God, and what it takes to walk through not only the personal self, but then the greater journey, the soul self, now beyond the personal self, in that sound current, in that greater journey beyond this physical, way beyond. When you begin to really have that experience, just starting from the top of the mountain, and as you begin to fly beyond the top of the mountain, that is the real journey that we are sharing here in Enlightenment Ministries. A lot of other spiritual pathways, yogas, teach a lot of the chakra system and climbing the inner mountain. And we have to do that. That's why when we are drawn to these other practices, we are drawn there because there's an inner knowing that we have to do the work to ascend the mountain. So we will go and do the yogas the religions, the psychic ways, the whatever ways. We will go do all these things in our search, not even understanding at the time while we're doing that, that we are literally climbing the inner mountain, moving up each chakra that is but a reflection of the macrocosm of the spiritual realms just beyond our own personal microcosm. But that's the journey. We have to journey through that. You look all around this planet, especially India, you'll see so many different yogas and pathways. And even in India, the path to sound and light is referred to as the royal way. The Shabd yoga. Shabd is the sound, the sound yoga. The inner light and sound of God. That yoga has nothing to do with the body, the mind, or the emotions. It is the yoga of the soul of moving into union with God. And that can only happen with the soul going back to God. Not about trying to bring God to heaven on earth. Not about trying to manifest things. Not about trying to be the psychic and know-all. 
not about trying to create a wonderful earth. It's even said, beyond just the Bible, God is of spirit, so to worship God, we must go into spirit. Not bring spirit here. Well, spirit is right here. But we have to really go where God is in the truest sense, not in the reflective, not in, okay, God, I feel your warmth, your love. Oh, it feels so good. And believe me, it does. We all know that, how good it feels when we get our prayers answered, when our pain stops, when we feel that rush, that quickening, that flowing of that light and loving through us. Just like you can feel the warmth of the sun, you can feel it inside of you. Those tingles, not only you get on the top of your head, but rush through your body as it floods you. That is that light of God that comes from that sun that does flood the body. Even as Jesus said, let thy eye be single and thy body shall be filled with light. That is that light of God that does flood through us, that does walk with us, assist us as we ask, as we participate as we allow to even assist us to climb the inner mountain. But if we don't even know where the path is, how to climb the mountain, what tools do we need, what about a guide to show us the way to help us go beyond all the treachery? That's why I think reincarnation is probably a good plan because all many times we've fallen off the cliff climbing the mountain, we die, get born again, and then begin the journey again. It's like, okay, all right, that recycling program works for the length of time it takes. <laughs> but aside of that, what about all that it takes just to climb the inner mountain? Well, that is what we can also share as spiritual teachings or spiritual principles. Those are the things we call a spiritual guide, a spiritual teacher, a spiritual master. Not only helps us with the greater journey, but also assist us to walk the inner journey. And a true spiritual teacher will always share with you that they cannot do it for you, but they can give you the tools and show you the way and how to do that for yourself. That's why we have the LAF, the Loving, Accepting, Forgiving, the workbook, the tools. I remember a talk Jim did years ago back in 1998 when he's doing the Tuesday night weekly classes, and he shared about it. It's actually on our, we actually have the CD. Um, it's called the, I think, it, what is it, the Toolbox CD with the LAF. Isn't that talk in 98 where Jim first started sharing about loving, accepting, forgiving as the simple basic tools, literally putting in your toolbox to support you on that inner journey so that you begin to know you've got some tools, but then to begin to learn how to use those tools. And that's what a lot of our, like, like the laugh workshop we've done, the laugh retreats, and how we talk about it all the time. We probably talk about working the inner kingdom, the inner journey, climbing the inner mountain more than we do about the greater journey that I'm sharing about now. Because we need that assistance, but then we have to do that work. And that's when you hear us talk about the blue light. So if in meditation you see a blue light, that's the action or the frequency of the Holy Spirit as it steps down in frequency to assist us to do the inner kingdom work. The body, the imagination, the emotions, the mind, 
It's just like the rainbow. You got the blue, then the purple, and then the white light. It's a stepping up a frequency. So that blue light action is there to assist us to come into a place of self-realization, to do the inner mountain climb. And then that purple light is now that action by which that radiant form, as we call it, of the Holy Spirit comes present. That purple light then is a greater journey I was just speaking of. That once the blue light in working with the tools like the LAF to work through our personal process to get to the top of the mountain, then at the top of the mountain there's the purple light that now we get in the river like that light of, from the sun, the stream that now carries us to the source. And then, well, what color is the sun? Well, yeah, it looks yellow, but the deeper in spirit, it's more of a golden white. Again, this is just reflection in this world, but if you understand the reflection, it's actually showing us a truth that is inside that the spirit lives and journeys through. So does that greater action of the sacred name, the journey of the soul from the top of the mountain into that sun, is the royal road, the royal path, the path to sun and light. That is the path of soul realization and soul liberation. And that really is the true action that we're sharing here in Interlight Ministries. Believe me, all the other stuff we've talked about with the LAF, the action of the blue light, that's preparation for the greater journey. And that preparation we all have to do. And many of you have been doing it for years now. Some of you are brand new and just ready to begin the journey. It doesn't really matter where you are, how long you've been doing anything. What matters is that you're doing something and to keep moving forward. And the next step will always be presented for when we're ready for it. No matter where that takes us, no matter what the experiences are, there will always be a next step presented. But I will say this, if you feel yourself being stirred, being drawn to what we share here, pay attention. Because this is also the next step for the soul that is really ready for that greater journey from the top of the mountain to the sun. And that's really the journey that I want to really emphasize because over all the years, We've been doing a lot of work here, a lot of personal growth, a lot of inner kingdom work. And that has all been supporting and assisting us to really do the greater journey now in what we could call the spiritual kingdom, beyond the self. We must never lose sight of that because sometimes we can get so caught up in our personal stuff, our issues, our struggles, trying so hard to understand, trying so hard to work through those things we're challenged with emotionally, mentally. We spend so much time and find ourselves so stressed at times. And I know these last few years have probably been harder than anybody's experienced before. Well, that's often the case when we're right on that threshold that threshold to break free of all that's been restricting us and holding us back. Because at some point, when the challenge is so great 
when you just can't take it anymore and you've had enough, that you're ready to just throw in the towel but literally give up, sometimes feeling like giving up on life itself where you just wish you would die, to that extent. And there are people that truly do. But to that extent, where we're finally willing to give it all up, life itself, that is the ultimate forgiveness of giving up in order to set ourselves free. Because anything we try to hang on to, for any reason, good or bad, we're holding on. It's holding us back. How can you fly into the sun if you still have that chain or rope tied around your ankle holding you down, like a hot air balloon, right, tied to the stake? Well, that's what we're doing when we hang on to our beliefs and having to be right, when we're hanging on and have to control things and get our way. What's so bad if we don't get our way? Most of us feel like we never get our way. And so we struggle harder to even try to get more of our way that we never get at all, or so it seems. And then you've gotten so good at playing the games of being so nice and kind and you never get your way. Say, oh, whatever you want, whatever you want. And then you've learned now how to play the game of Whatever you want, oh, poor is me. And now you've learned how to manipulate other people to get what you want in a backhanded way. Oh, the games we all play. We all do it. How do you think I can talk about this stuff? I don't do any of that. I just see everybody else doing it. Yeah, right. We learn best by our own experience, by doing it ourselves. That's how we know this stuff. So I guess that makes Jim and I pretty horrible people. <laughs> He's the biggest control freak I've ever met in my life. <laughs> it's a joke and there's truth there at the same time. Because if you understand the reflection of control... Well, the opposite of that, yeah, what would be the opposite? Well, in spirit, I can tell you it's the power, the strength, the discipline that it takes to live the spirit of who we are. In this world, it can look like control. But in spirit, well, where does the word disciple come from? Discipline. It takes great control. So you've got to be the biggest control freak to discipline yourself to make God and going home to God more important than all the things you want in the world. That takes a lot of control, doesn't it? Because don't you want some things in the world really, really bad or really, really good or really, really indifferent? Don't you say, I want it so bad? Then you don't get it, and you go, I don't care anymore. And then you know you're lying because you really do want it. You go, okay, I'm neutral. I'm, I'm neutral now. Don't care, didn't get it, so I'm really hurt and upset, so I'm neutral. Total denial and avoidance of what's really going on. I see people smiling. That's funny. It's true. It's what we all do. 
All we have to do is be honest and admit. You see me do it all the time. You hear me all the time. Oh, my favorite thing is when people, what? Confess, admit, because I know it's what I did. The more I admitted the truth of what was going on, even all the stupid little crazy horrific, even wonderful stuff, when I admitted the truth of all the little games I was playing, of all my upsets, of all my joys, when I could admit and confess everything, there was no more room for the ego to play the games on me or other people. We have all heard the phrase, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. So you've got to be true to yourself. You've got to be honest enough with yourself to call yourself on all the little games you play so you don't give them power. Because all we've done when we deny and avoid is give power to all these beliefs and emotions and feelings and desires and wants. And then they run us. It's like we have no control anymore. They have control over us. Well, how do we take back our control? Well, that's what I'm talking about here. That's what we always talk about. So in a way, I just complimented Jim, the biggest control freak around that I know. That's why I'm walking in his footsteps, learning how to be the second biggest control freak in this universe. <laughs> because we have got to want God more than anything else. And it is that desire that as you give your power to that desire of wanting God and you're going to do whatever it takes is the power or the way I was joking around, the control needed to do what it takes to fly beyond this mountain just to get up the mountain. That's really the harder part. When you get up on the mountain, you're exhausted. You're ready to just go ahead and fall. Say, God, catch me. I don't care anymore. And then God catches you. And that's truly where now God does do it for you. Before then, God was doing it with you. That's the point where God does do it for you. That last little bit, when you fully now have done the work, and then you totally surrender to God, and now allow yourself to get in that river of loving, and allow that loving now to carry you You've got to love yourself so much that you're willing to do everything it does to get to the point where you can finally surrender and give it all up to love God. You can say you love God all you want, but if you hate yourself, it just doesn't work. God created the soul, who we are, in the likeness of God. God loves all of its creation. What does that mean then? We, made in the likeness of God, have to love all of our creation. We have to love all of ourself, all of our aspects that we've created within ourself, the good and the bad. That's why we spend so much time talking about loving, accepting, forgiving. We've got to forgive ourselves of all the things we've judged ourselves for, made ourselves wrong for, all the things we have guilt around and shame and fear. But to even get to that, we first have to come into acceptance and admit all the shenanigans that we've played. 
Even though I call it LAF, the order it usually goes in is AFL or FAL. It doesn't really matter what order. But I have found I often have to acknowledge and accept and that in that I can forgive and let go and it creates a space by which now I really can love. And ultimately, that loving of all the things we've created we have to begin with to release and allow that loving to come back now. Because all we've done is put our loving out into our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, our experiences. And all we're doing by FAL, LAF, is reclaiming all that love back to ourselves. So now we have all that love for self. That's the self-love that is not conceit or self-centered or ego-driven. It is the love of the divine self. Not even here. Most people go to the heart chakra. That's the first big step. But we've got to go beyond the heart and into the heart of the soul up here, the top of the mountain, not the middle of the mountain. You're still in the cave. When you ascend the mountain, you're going into the mountain and rising to the top where the burning bush is at the top. A lot of people don't even understand the original Hebrew Bible when it said Moses ascended Mount Sinai. It's actually he went into the mountain and ascended because they didn't realize he was talking about the inner mountain, the spiritual journey, and the burning bush is the light of God, the soul here at the top of the mountain. We have to go in and up, in and up. That's why we say that all the time in meditation, go in and up. No matter which chakra you're coming out of to have experience, physically, imaginatively, emotionally, mentally, etherically, solically, if we're focused out, we are literally projecting our awareness and consciousness out from these different chakras or levels of consciousness within ourself. And eventually we've got to bring that love in and lift it up. Bring it in, 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 lift it up. That's the journey. If you understood that all of this physical creation is nothing more than a reflection. And if you could learn how to use the reflection to support you to come to that greater wisdom and truth of the divine, then you would actually have gratitude and appreciation for this kingdom rather than despising it, hating it, wanting to get out of here. It is not until we can fully love and to forgive all of this creation can we set ourselves free from it? And especially those of you that have been initiated and you have made that journey to God consciousness the most important and primary, I'm issuing this forward that you really understand and hear what we share here because this is very serious business, as silly as I get a lot of the time. Because it is the most sacred and the most profound that any soul is going to find, not only on this planet, but in all of this physical creation. Anywhere you can go, you think there's life only on this earth? 
There's life just everywhere. And I have seen a lot on these other realms. And no matter where I go, no matter what I've experienced, how far out there and wild as it gets, everywhere I have ever been, it is no different than what we are experiencing here in our own awareness as that divine being. Not that we just call a soul, but literally the I am that each of us is that is conscious, that is aware. Every single one of us is aware. No matter where that awareness is or where we're holding that focus on, we are all aware. That awareness is that divine spark of God that is conscious no matter where it is in any realm of God's creation. So no matter where you find yourself, I'm sharing the same thing. When you learn that you not only are the light of God, but where to focus to know that, to be aware of that, it is the same in any creation. It is always focusing into the true self with love. And just you giving attention is loving itself. Your attention is loving. That's why even when you say to somebody, I hate you! You're giving them loving just because you're giving them attention. Doesn't matter what words you put on it. Doesn't matter if you want to rip their guts out and make them suffer. If you're giving them attention, you're actually saying, I love you. You know that phrase, I hate your guts. Well, that means I love you so deeply. But that's really the truth. Because the more we feel separate from God, the more pain we experience. The more pain we experience, the more profound and desperate we are for that loving. That's not a bad thing. So when I see people or beings of any kind that desperate and so painful they would not only verbally attack, but literally physically, violently, brutally kill, maim, torture. That is the ultimate desperation of somebody calling out for that loving that they have so lost touch with and separated from. In truth, we cannot separate from it. We can only, in a sense, fall asleep to it lose our conscious awareness of it. But we can never lose consciousness of who we are. Well, people say, well, what about when I go to sleep or I'm unconscious? Well, your body maybe is asleep or unconscious, but you, you are never asleep. You are always conscious somewhere. If you're in a dream, you're conscious in the dream. Your conscious, that consciousness is eternal. It cannot die. Doesn't matter the body it's in now, the body it's ever been in before, the body it'll be in in the future. And I don't just mean human. I mean even astrally, even mentally, even emotionally. Those are all bodies. 
Physically, maybe you're an alien life form and you've come to planet Earth. And maybe after planet Earth, you're going to go to another planet or galaxy or universe and experience a whole different body. But it is still you, you, that is that divine spark of God. You. How much do you really want to get to know who you are? Not your stuff, not what you're dealing with in the world or how you feel about it or think about it, but you. The more you can get in touch with you and know thyself, that's where you're going to really blossom, awaken, and really come to that greater experience of your divinity. Those things you've heard Jim and I describe over the years of what not only the journey and the things we can experience, but the beingness of God itself. When you, the soul, wake up and know yourself and truly merge into that sun, merge into God itself. Because there's more. That first sun I was talking about is just the sun of your own soul. And then there's the sun of God, not Jesus, the son of God, the sun as in the sun of God in the soul realm that we call Sat Purush in India or the Sanskrit, which is another name for God, the creator. On that level that created the soul, that individualized aspect of God we can call the soul in which we are all one in God, in that sun, the soul realm from which we've all come. Not only do we go back into that, but that's where we can refer to God as a personage or the face of God or the many faces of God, as you've heard us describe, because those are the different aspects of God and their expression. Well, we've got to go into that sun, and it's also a doorway now to go into the beingness of God that is faceless. That's that ocean of love and mercy where we, the divine spark of the drop of God, return back into that beingness. But we first have to go through that personage, that individualization of the expression of God. And that is a doorway into the true formless, that is the beingness of God itself. And in that, there's even another son. That son that is literally from the sun and the soul realm, that is God divine. Now the sun, there's even a greater sun beyond that, and that is the very top of the spiritual realm. It's literally on the other side of the ocean of love and mercy. That greater sun is truly the doorway by which God came into being of the I am that I am. And it is that greater sun that at some point, each and every divine droplet of God, even in the ocean of love and mercy, is going to go through and out into. And that's where you've heard when we've talked about that which is beyond God. That which is beyond God. It's funny to say because in truth, there's nothing beyond God because God is all there is in the isness that is the pure living loving essence of spirit itself in which that spirit of itself became aware and said I am and that is what we call God. And it is in that I am 
that we truly are one, but even in that, that pure essence in which that I am is present and living in is an ocean that God has made itself in an image of, that we are all truly in, that that is where Jim and I are truly at a loss and there are no words whatsoever. I have called it the place in which there's no experience. We can only experience that which is created. God created and that we experience. But when you go beyond creation itself, there's nothing created, so there's nothing to experience. And that is the ultimate beingness. The true beingness, you can't even call God. We can't even call loving. It is the true beingness of life itself. And out of that is where came all the expression that God is and we are. And that is really out there. So you might want to commit me now so I can really go live a life of solidarity and meditation and peacefulness. But that's what I try to do anyway. But it is that, make no mistake, is what we are doing here in Interlight Ministries, is that greater journey. It sounds like it's beyond the beyond, and like I said, maybe I'm just making up a great story. I am. But that's the story that is the story of every soul and the truth in which we all are going to awaken to. And again, this is where it gets crazy-making because you literally have to let go of believing. How do I do that? Well, that's the journey. That's why you've got to let go of everything I just said and not believe a word I said because you've got to let go of belief because it is only the mind that believes and then the mind believing it traps the soul. That's the crazy part. And the more the mind tries to figure it out and believe it and control it, the crazier you go. So if you want some sanity in your life, let go of the crazy insanity that the mind does trying to control you. Start taking control over your mind. The only way to take control over your mind is to love God with all your body, mind, heart, and soul. And the more you love God, the more you give dominion to your soul. And when the soul is dominion, then there's no more struggle with the mind. The mind will still run its games and you'll laugh at the mind and think it's a joke because basically it is. But then it really just won't matter anymore because when you really awaken and know the greater truth, of the divine that we share here that you will now know for yourself. When you have that, then there's no more questions or wonder or doubt or fear. Well, there is, but you'll know it's just all a game and a joke and an illusion. So you don't bother yourself with it anymore. You just keep on going into that loving and you let that loving now be your living expression throughout all this creation that is just based on illusion and fear. And then it does not have the hold on you like it used to. And again, it doesn't have a hold on you because you're no longer hanging on to it. You've let go. You have to let go to do this fantastic journey beyond the mind. And that's the path to soul liberation. 
the light and sound of God, the freedom in which everyone is looking for. We just don't know what it is, but it is within every one of us in all of creation. Again, no matter where we're at, no matter where we find ourselves in any experience, it is all the same. And I'll just share two, two things very quickly. And this sort of summarizes everything that Brian said. All the teachers who have taught the path of sound and light have said that they have been told, they know, and it has been written in the Bible, seek first the kingdom of heaven, or seek first the kingdom of God, and all else shall be given unto you. And the other is to be still and know that I am. If we can keep those two phrases living in ourselves as we meditate and as we do the day, we can begin to live our life a lot differently. And we can begin to awaken into the greater truth of who we really are and what all of this is really about. If we really do seek God first, God first here, and then all else is given, we will have everything we ever need to know and understand and clarity and direction and purpose and meaning. And if we can learn to be still, to be in meditation, to be still, to quiet the mind, to quiet the body, to quiet, be still, and know that I am God, that is the key to be still. Let all this that is our physical beingness and this physical universe to be still for a moment. And in that stillness, you will find the greater truth of all creation and beyond, which is God.